typically today is a very special day in the history of the church, not just Christianity, but Catholicism and, and many other streams. Many people tend to celebrate or celebrate uh, what we call Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Uh, and this is, had his triumphant entry into Jerusalem and he was riding on a donkey, on a donkey and the people received him with, with arms and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna uh, to the King. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, and from today up until the following Sunday is that Jesus went through that agonizing process of betrayal, Gethsemane, sentenced, whipped, beaten, nailed, died, and resurrection the following Sunday. Um, and so typically we, you know, typically we speak on Palm Sunday. However, today I felt that the Lord uh, just shifted us in another direction. But the undergird of the sermon has to do with the, what I want to share, has to do with some kind of way Palm Sunday. So I'm going to try to reconcile the, the cleavage between that event and what I want to share. Because when I look at Jesus, <clears throat> one of the reasons why Jesus was unliked and like was because of gender. Now, you know, typically you don't like somebody because they're a bad person. Okay. No, Pastor, I love everybody. Okay. Well, power to you. Um, if we were to dislike somebody because of, the, because of deeds, well, then surely Jesus should have been loved by everybody. I mean, the dude fed the, the dead. Somebody was crying, Jesus, heal me. Jesus healed. Everything Jesus did was good, yet he was hated. So how do you like, how do you hate somebody that does good things? I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, you know, you know. You love people that do good, yet Jesus was hated. When all he did was good, hated him. And then it made me think, why did they hate him? And they hated him because Jesus came to establish a different system. Jesus came. See, see, healing was not the reason why he came. That was the byproduct of the reason why he came. Resurrecting the dead was not the reason why he came. That was the, that was the effects of the reason why he came. So then why did Jesus come? He came to establish a system. He came to change. And so everything that happened in the Old Testament was preparing everybody for Jesus' arrival so that when he would come, he would change a system. So they liked what he did, but they hated him because he came to change the program. And so they gravitated to him when it was time to eat, when it was time to get healed, when it was time to raise the dead. But they didn't want to come to why he came to the planet. And so consequently, you see him on a day like today, everybody's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But then seven days, six days later, five days later, they're crucify him. 
because they loved what he did, but they hated why he came. He came to change the system. So, there's a scripture that I want to, I want to share. Go get your Bibles, turn them on. Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, and I'm going to read a little bit more. But I feel that this message has a lot to do with us understanding God's system. Look what, look, 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 look what Jesus says. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. In other words, you're going to get hurt in life. But woe to anyone through whom they come. He says, it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a milestone. That's a big rock tied around their neck that can cause, than to cause one of these little. Up until that point, the disciples like, preach, preach, pastor, preach. Then he says, verse 3, so watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent. Now this teaching is boggling the heads of the disciples to the point that look what they tell the Lord. They said, verse 5, notice, 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 notice. Verse 1 says, Jesus said to the disciples. Somebody say disciples. Verse 5. The apostles. Notice from disciples, now it goes, shifts to apostles. Notice the play of words because Luke is trying to tell us something. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And he replied, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will be you. This is the first time in Scripture where all the 12 apostles got together. Listen, Jesus had a problem. Peter had a problem with Jesus. Remember Matthew 16? Lord, 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 dude, you can't be dying. He had a problem with Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. Thomas had a problem with Jesus. If I don't see the wounds, I don't believe. The sons of thunder had a problem with Jesus. But this is the only scripture where all of the 12 apostles got together and they said, there's something not right here, something not right here. To the point that after they heard what Jesus said, they all got together and said, Lord, Lord, you got to help us with this one. Increase our faith. Now, 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 when we talk about faith, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you go to church or not, we usually exercise faith when it comes to miracles, right? You don't need faith to brush your teeth in the morning. You don't need faith to wake up. Those are things you do. Well, some of y'all need faith to brush your teeth in the morning, but <laughs> got a demon of gingivitis. But <laughs> it's a joke. It's Sunday morning. Listen, listen, listen. We mainly exercise our faith for supernatural. 
Because if it's not supernatural, that means it's natural. And if it's natural, that means we could do it. And if we can do it, we don't need to believe in anything but ourselves. So when we talk about faith, faith is usually exercised for miracles. So you have faith for miracles, but then the Bible says you have faith for salvation. The Bible says we grow from faith to faith. Faith that saves you. Faith that saves you. And the Bible says that the faith that saves you comes by means of an agent. And that faith that saves you comes by the Word of God, which is the message of God. In other words, the reason why I got saved for salvation was because somebody preached the Word, and that Word me to have faith in what was being preached to the point that by faith I said, I need Jesus. So what saved me was my faith in the Word that was preached. And what was the message that was preached to me for me to believe that I can be saved? It was a message of grace. Yeah. Because when the preacher was preaching about everything I did wrong and the life I was living and nobody was able to save me but Jesus, that grace made me believe that if I embrace Jesus, he can take my burdens, he can take my pain, he can take my sins, and he can wash them all away. So I am saved by faith through grace to the glory of God. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. That means that by faith I'm saved. Now, now, that's faith for salvation. And I think everyone that is here this morning, we're here, if we accepted Jesus Christ, we're here because we have faith in the grace of God, through the word of God, for us to be saved. Can I get an amen? We're here by faith. We're saved by faith. Now, 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 when the Bible says we grow from faith to faith, how do you grow from faith? Because all it takes is Christ from faith to faith. You grow in faith to faith because once you believe Christ for salvation, there are other areas in your life where you need to exercise the faith to take you from one dimension of faith to the next. And so what requires faith? Faith to be saved. But when you read verses 3 and 4, and you hear this story, Jesus says, watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times a day, seven times a day come back to you and say, I repent, you must forgive them. Now the disciples are having a problem with Jesus because Jesus came to change the system. You have to understand, when Jesus picked Peter, when, the, when some of the disciples decided to follow Jesus, you know why they believed in him? You know why they believed in him? They believed in him because Jesus performed miracles. There's a story in the Bible where, 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 where the disciples were fishing and they caught nothing all night. And all of a sudden Jesus shows up at the, she, at the, so, at the seashore and he tells them, go back in the deep and throw to the right and throw to, cast to the right. And when they saw the miracles, they believed that he was the Messiah because they saw miracles. Others, others like Matthew. Matthew didn't get saved because he looked back and he followed Jesus. So, that, so their perspective of Christ as far as who Jesus was was based on the testimony, the story, and the miracles of Christ. But now Jesus is getting ready to 
grow them. Jesus is getting ready to grow them. And look what happens now. He says, if they do you, he says, listen, in this world, you're going to get offended. In this world, they're going to talk about you. In this world, people are going to do you harm. In this world, people do you wrong. But then he says, and up until, up until that point, everybody was like, yeah, pastor, preach to Jesus. Go ahead. Here's a dollar. Here's an offering. But then Jesus turns the system. He, he shifts the system around. And he says, even if they sin against you seven times a day. Can, can you imagine somebody offending you seven times a day? He says, and if they repent, forgive them. And then it is in that context where the Bible says 70 times 7, right? We have to forgive 70 times 7. And the way we calculate that mathematical equation is that we take 70 times 70 and it equals. Oh, my Lord Jesus. Seven times, 70 times 7 is 490, church. 7 times 7, put a zero. Okay, seven times, 70 times 7 is 490. So we're thinking, here's what we're thinking. Jesus is asking us to forgive 490 times. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus' mathematical, mathematical equation is not 70 times 7. Jesus' mathematical, mathematical equation is 70 times, 70 times 1 equals how much? 70. That's one time. Now 70 times 2 equals 140. That's two times. 70 times 140 equals? Jesus is saying, if they offend you 70 times a day, you have to forgive them by seven. In other words, when you, when you do 70 times one, 70, and then they answer by two, and then they answer by seven, and then they answer by seven, and you go down, down 70 times, the number you're going to get is infinity. As long as they do you wrong, got to forgive. It is at that point that the disciples said, Lord, increase my faith. Their faith was being challenged. They were experiencing a crisis with Jesus' teaching. Which, by the way, shortly after this story, it's that holy week. No, 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 Let me give you context. Because before Jesus teaches that Jesus is the master, before Jesus starts talking about forgiving him, and th before that, when you go to chapter 16, the Bible, Jesus gives a story by means of a parable of the prodigal son. Now notice, notice, notice. He's talking to his disciples who are apostles, and they don't got this right yet. Chapter 16, Jesus, the prodigal son. Where we see where sons asked for his inheritance from his father prematurely. And in the times of the Bible, for a son to tell his father to give him his inheritance, what he's saying is, I can't wait for you to die. Because no father gives an inheritance while he's alive. Every inheritance is given after the person dies. It's like a will. And when he told his father, give me my inheritance, what he's saying is, I hope you die, bro. Not only does he says, give me my money, he leaves the house and spends it all, King James says, in riotous living. He splurges it. What cost his father, what took his father years to accumulate, he spent it. Clubbing and dancing and drinking and fornicating. God knows what. And after a while, 
after he spent it all, he comes back broke. He comes back almost eating pig food. And the Bible, and Jesus is giving this story. Now, 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 if you was a Jew, and if you was a Hebrew, and you hear that this story is about a son who runs away, a son who wishes his father to die, a son who says, give me my money, a son who spends it all and is not wise with what his father has sacrificed for. If you were a Jew, you would say, let's find that boy and let's stone him to death because that's what the law required. A son from a distance. The father comes running to the son and he receives him back home and he gives him more when he comes back home than when he left the house. That's crazy. When Jesus says how the father reacted to the son, everybody got upset right there. What? What? Who is this? No, no, no. The power was an offense to the Jewish people. I'm telling you, Jesus was preparing the way because he's trying to change the system of their way of thinking. He was preparing the way to then talk about what I'm going to preach about today. And he says, listen to this parable. A parable is not a real story. It's an earthly uh, example to bring a spiritual teaching. What? That he did that to his papa? The disciples had no problem that Jesus was the Messiah. The disciples had no problem believing that Jesus was the Savior. However, their challenge was believing and hearing this story that had to do with forgiving. Jesus, what? You want me to forgive a brother who has sinned against me? What? That, that, that if he takes my money and he wishes I die and he spends it all and he come back, I got to embrace him and I got to forgive him and I got to give him more and I got to love him. And if he offends me seven times, then I got to forgive him. Peter, did you hear what he's saying? Bartholomew, did you just hear what Jesus is teaching? Thomas, because that's not what the law says. Exodus 21, 24, 25. This is what the law said. Eye for an eye. Tooth for a tooth. A hand for a hand. A foot for a foot. Burn for burn. Wound for wound. Bruise for bruise. In other words, you slap me, I'm slapping you right back. You talk about my mama, I'm talking about your mama. You hit me, I'm hitting you right back. Because the law said... Eye for eye, which means what you do to me, I'm going to do right back to you. If they hurt you 70 times, forgive them. So now the disciples are like, wait a minute, but this doesn't go with my theology. This doesn't go with what Moses wrote in the book of Exodus. Moses said, an eye for an eye. And when they heard that, they all said, Lord, increase my faith. This is the only time where all 12 disciples came into agreement and asking God through Christ to increase their faith. Now, it's not that they did not have faith. Their problem was the level of faith they needed to activate what God is requiring of them. Because, listen, church, we all have faith in Christ. All of us here, we got faith in Christ. I believe your healer. I believe. We all got faith in Christ. 
We believe he's our Lord and Savior. Can I get an amen? We believe that his blood cleanses us from all of our sins. Can I get an amen? We believe that in Christ, because of him, we have his eternal love and his grace by what he did for us. We believe that. Now, is your faith level good enough? You better raise my level of faith. I need a lot of faith to do this. It takes a lot of faith to do this. And look what Jesus says. He says, verse 6, he replied, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed. They're saying, Lord, give me a lot of faith. Jesus said, no, but you missed it. He says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to the examples, non-visual, visual, I'm sorry. He says, a man had two sons. Luke chapter 16, the prodigal son. They don't see it, but they, they're imagining it. Then Jesus gave an example. If somebody offends you and they ask for repent, repent, to repent, forgive them. They're not seeing it. They're just thinking it. But now Jesus says, so that y'all can get it. Let's look at this tree for a minute. He says, if you have the faith, the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mulberry tree to be rooted from the ground and be planted in the depths of the sea, and it shall be done, and it will obey. I ask you this morning, what hinders you from seeing what you believe? What hinders you and I from seeing what we believe? Because listen, how, how does God level how much we stomp on the service? Mm, there you go. A lot of faith right there. How does God measure your faith? Your faith will be measured by your level of forgiveness. And Jesus right now is about to tell them why they don't have faith. God has brought the apostles to this point. Parable of the prodigal son. The narrative of how to forgive. It, to, this, to test their level, not of faith, Jesus is going to test their level of forgiveness. Because your level of forgiveness will man manifest your level of faith. After teaching by means of the parable of the prodigal son, he now is going to be, he is now ready to illustrate the teaching with a vivid example. Verses 1 through 2. We see Jesus telling them about the inevitable problems they will confront in life. People will hurt you. People will backstab you. People will do you wrong. But woe to those that do bad to you. But now verses 2 to 4, we see Jesus telling them what to do if the offender asks for forgiveness. And he tells them to forgive them seven times a day. And Jesus says, so that you can see what I'm telling you. Look what happens. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Now on his way, this is all part of the story. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Jesus just said, if anybody asks for forgiveness... Forgive him. 
If anybody offends you and they tell you, I'm sorry, my bad, forgive them. Not one time, but 70 times 7, which is an infinite number. He says, you're going to forgive as well. These guys are saying, Jesus! In other words, we're sorry for being sinners. Have mercy on us. And what you would expect was that Jesus would heal them. But look what it says. 13, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Verse 14, when he saw them, the question is, when he saw who? When he saw the lepers or when he saw the apostles? He says, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. One of them, when he saw he was, he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has you well. See, for us, we read that story and we ask, if Jesus hears that these 10 guys ask for healing, why send them to the priest? It's like, it's like if you have a toothache and you go to the dentist, the dentist says, go to the anesthesiologist. I got a toothache, bro. It's just like you have a toothache and you go to the dentist and he, he sends you to the OBGYN. Bro, bro, you got the power to heal me. Why in the world are you sending me somewhere else when I heard through the grapevine that you raised the dead, that you healed the sick, that you restored the broken, I'm coming to you. And you send me somewhere else. Understand this miracle. You must see the context behind the miracle. And let me tell you the context behind the miracle. Because if there's one thing these ten lepers had in common was they all have faith in Jesus. Because they all came to Jesus. Now at the end of the day, not all ten came to say thanks. And there's a lot of people in church like that. They have faith for the benefits of God, but they don't have faith for the gratitude towards God. Listen, they went to Jesus pleading for mercy. They said, it says, verse 13, they cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity over us. And based on Scripture, we all know that Jesus responds to faith. But in this scenario, Jesus did not respond to their faith. He did not give them the miracle they were asking for. Instead, he says, you want to be healed? Go to the priest. Now, why did Jesus send them to the priest? Because these ten lepers had issues with the priest. Look what the Bible says. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. This is God who gave these instructions. He said, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, who was the priest, when anyone has a swelling or rash or a shiny spot in their skin, maybe a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of the sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore of the skin and if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. 
when the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce him ceremonially unclean. These must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkept. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. Listen to this. They must live alone and they must live outside of the camp. Now, imagine with me, if you will, the leper who before he had leprosy was a good man in society, had a good job, had a great wife, had beautiful kids, was loved by everyone, was an influential person in his society, if you will, and for something he had no authority over, he encounters leprosy. It wasn't his fault. He wasn't born that way. He didn't do nothing bad to get it. He just got exposed to a disease, and now the law says, you got to show yourself to the priest. Now, imagine this man. Oh, oh my, what is this? Flakes are coming out of my head. What, what was it? Honey, honey, let, let, let me, let me your powder, your Maybelline. He's trying to cover it up, and, you know, you know. Yeah. Because the law said, if you had leprosy, you had to leave your house, you had to leave your family, you had to go to a land of nobodies. He's in a sickness, he had nothing, it was not his fault to be sick, he didn't do nothing bad to be sick, it just happened. But he knows if, if, if they start seeing me with these scars, they're going to kick me out. And the law says, the law says that the only one who has the authority to kick me out is the priest. So, now, here's what we see. Ten lepers who have experiences of disease they had nothing to do with. But now they have to do something about their problem and they have to show it. And, and look, and look, and look what happens. If they were angry at somebody, imagine me with leprosy and I have to show myself to the priest. And the priest knows who I am because he knows my kids. My kids go to the school with his, with his family and, and we have a relationship. And now, here, Mr. Priest, Mr. Priest, listen, man. I love my wife. I love my kids. You know me, I go to church every day, man. I love the Lord. You know, please, 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 please. I know the law says that you got to kick me out, but please don't care. If you kick me out, who's going to feed for my kids? Who's going to care for my wife? Because if I leave and then she, my wife becomes an orphan or she becomes a widow, which is kind of like an or kind of like, kind of like unable to care for herself, and then she falls in a bracket of rejects. Please, 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 Mr. Priest, please give me a chance. Please, Mr. Priest, please, Mr. Priest, please. Please, I don't want to go. Please, Mr. Priest, I didn't do nothing wrong to be in this condition. Please, Mr. Priest, give me a chance. Please, Mr. Priest, what are you for, for the love of God? My kids, look at them. And the priest says, no, the law says. And the priest casts them out. If these lepers had issues with somebody, surely it was with the priest. Because now they're by themselves, unable to see their kids grow because a man said, you're unclean. Now, these ten guys, they got faith in Jesus. Heal us, and Jesus says. Now, 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 if that wasn't, if that was bad enough, See, you couldn't show, if you was a leper, you couldn't show up to the priest just the way you are. The Bible said they also had, when they go, when they went to come with an offering, 
Leviticus 14, 1 through 4 says, The Lord said to Moses, These are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing. When they're brought to the priest, the priest is to go outside the camp and examine them. They can't even come inside. They had, the priest had to go outside. If they have been healed of their defiling skin disease, the priest shall order that two live, clean birds, set of words called yarn, and his to be brought for the person to be clean. Leviticus 14.10. On the eighth day, they must bring who? The guy with the leprosy. They must bring two male lambs and one ewe lamb of year old, each without defect, along with three tenants. I'm sorry, three tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil for a grain offering and a log of oil. So Jesus, you have faith in me? Okay. But your sickness won't get healed because you have faith in me. Your sickness will be healed the moment you get your act right with the person who offended you. So he tells them, go to the priest. And the Bible says, as they were going to the priest. Because what does the Bible says? Faith without. As they were applying their faith in Christ who said, I'll heal you. Jesus said, okay, okay, okay. Here's what you got to do. Go and present yourself to the priest. And as they were walking, healed. Oh, by the way, this is the same guy, Jesus, by Peter, not once, not twice, three times. Jesus came to change systems. By the way, when Jesus was at Gethsemane praying for help, the disciples fell asleep and they ran away. By the way, Pilate had the power to save Jesus. And what did Pilate do? He washed his hands. By the way, the Sanhedrin was out to kill him and declare him guilty and crucified. By the way, everybody that on Easter's Palm Sunday said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now they're saying, And what did Jesus do at the cross? He said, Father, forgive them. See, Jesus would have never raised from the dead in power if he did not apply forgiveness because the power of faith is manifested through love and forgiveness. And so he goes and he exercises. Faith plus forgiveness equals healing. I'll do it again. Faith plus forgiveness equals healing. So Jesus raises from the dead on the third day with all glory. All, so much glory that Martha, when she saw him, she, he said, you can't touch me, mama. You touch me, you're going to pass out. And what did he do when he saw Peter? He said, Peter, do you love me? 
time out, time out, time out. If I'd have been Jesus, yo, Jesus, yo, you'll betray me three times, bro. After I hear who was dying. After when you was about to drown in this water, I took your hand and I lift you up and, and you backstab me? Man, man, go to hell. Bartholomew, where were you when they captured me? Why did you run away? But Jesus tells Peter, do you love me? And Peter, Peter, when you're wrong, you know what you did. Peter's like, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, you know, you know, the, the next phrase is, well, if you love me, why you backstab me, bro? Jesus didn't do that. He said, Peter, do you love me? You know, I, you know I love you. And then he said, then he says, Jesus, Jesus, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know all things. Jesus told Peter, he tells Peter, Peter, pastor my church, pastor my sheep. Why would I give someone who betrays me the greatest thing to me which is the church because in giving him forgiveness because when you forgive somebody it's not just something you say it's got to come with actions 